Hey, you guys have a seat. Uh, thank you to our worship team. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, I'm going to read just a moment. Verse 22 through 33. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Uh, before I do, we're going to be talking over the next couple of weeks about worship. Worship, uh, calling it uh, true worship. And, you know, I guess there's some goals as we talk about this over the next couple of weeks and some challenges uh, for myself too, but definitely uh, for you. A goal would be for us to move in worship here from spectator to participant, as in we're not just coming to see, but to participate uh, in worship. We're going to be thinking about different ways to worship, different mediums, uh, particularly uh, art and artistry uh, over the next couple weeks and and even into the fall. Uh, I would like us to ask ourselves a couple questions about worship as we do this. Uh, Is worship just music or is it life? Uh, Is worship production or is it the possibility Uh, of the Holy Spirit entering into uh, your mind, your life, your heart? Uh, Is worship centered more on production or prayer? I'm asking myself these questions. You know, we had uh, a couple times, we we take worship seriously here, and we put a lot of thought into it, and I'm very thankful for Tyler uh, and Ty and their leadership, but they're... You know, worship can be so simple. Uh, many, many of you know, and I'm not going to share, I mean, I'll probably continue to share stories because it's so impactful. I was in Israel over the summer, and some brothers and sisters that went with me are here today, and very thankful they're here. But, you know, we had worship one time on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and, you know, no production, just, just singing. Uh, we had worship in a little room right off the tomb, uh, one of which is believed to be the empty tomb. Uh, no production. Very powerful. Very powerful. Uh, I was in Dubai after that at a church planning conference in the Middle East and was at a very large church, as a matter of fact, in Dubai called Redeemer Dubai. And it really surprised me how low scale their, their production element was in worship. I mean, we, I think I told you guys in worship, we, I think we put a lot... Uh, more in dyers, and it was just it was just intriguing, and I'm not saying one way is better, I'm just saying, like, it's just interesting how churches do worship uh, in a service. Do we put worship in a box? It's like, this is what music's supposed to be, this is what singing's supposed to be. This is, I do, I'll say, if you don't. I mean, it's kind of, you know, we don't necessarily look at it as all of life. So, and then last, uh, what do you worship? Because, you know, we're all worshipers. What do you worship? What do you really worship? And if you want to answer that, then think about what you think about most in your free time. Because what we really think about most in our free time, our dreams, that's generally what we will, what we worship, what we direct our worship towards. So each Sunday as we talk about worship, I'm going to ask a question. What is worship? What is true worship? Because if there's true worship, that would mean that there's some worship that's just not true. And each Sunday, I want to try to give an answer from Scripture uh, from the Lord about what true worship is. And today, I would say, true worship is truly courageous. 
Like, it takes courage to truly worship the Lord, the Lord Jesus, in all of life, every aspect of life. Not put worship in a box, not put church in a box, but that your life is an article of worship for the Lord. That takes courage. It takes real courage. So let, let's look at the passage, Matthew 14, 22 uh, through, 20, uh, through 33. Verse 22, immediately... He, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him, Walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, Command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, Save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. I want to look at this passage. I want to break it down. First thing, 22 and 23. It says that Jesus dismissed the crowds to be alone with his father uh, to pray. He dismissed the crowds. He didn't want a crowd. He wanted to be alone uh, with his father uh, to pray. Do we here want a crowd? Or do we want a real community that's deep and involved in people's lives and open and vulnerable and sharing and serving and loving? Do we want a culture or a crowd, a culture of prayer or just a crowd? Do we worship crowds? Here's what I'm saying. Uh, when you say, well, how many were there? Do we have a good crowd today? Is it a good crowd? I, I organized, an, this is like, it was right before my youngest son Ethan was born. That was like December 2012. And helped organize an event. Is a guy I used to work for in Washington, D.C. And it was... Um, it was downtown Jackson, and it was with a group called Leadership Jackson, and so non-church event, but it helped organize it. And we got him down. I remember he got off the elevator and was going in to speak. He was a speaker, public speaker, and he'd work for presidents and so on and so forth. But the first thing he asked, he got off the elevator. He's like, do we got a good crowd? And I think back about that. Like, that's, that's so much of our... And that was just a, that was a, a secular event. Yes, it was for Jackson, for leadership, all that. But how much of that bleeds into our church culture, our church life? Is it a good crowd? Was it a good crowd? I was at a, an event, a conference a couple weeks ago for Acts 29, a network we're part of, and they brought a speaker up, and he was a church planner. Acts 29 is a church planning network all over the world. And the speaker said, yeah, I planted a church five years ago with 15 people. Now, most of those talks, that's where they start, and then they'll transition saying, yeah, this is Sunday you know, it's grown, God's grown it to 500 or something. So he said, five years ago, I started church with 15 people. This Sunday, 13 showed up. 
They're using that as an example to kind of push against the grain of being like, you know, this is, this is kind of the, the box that we put churches and church planning in, that oh, wait, this is the only way God's working here. It's totally not the case. And yet, how much of it is our, how much of it, how much of our ego is just tied to crowds? All of ours. I mean, same thing with, you know, frankly, parties growing up and then groups uh, that we gather, social gatherings. Is it a good crowd? Who was there? This summer, last story on this, and, you know, I think, I think we can learn a lot from that, that Jesus dismissed the crowd. His ego wasn't tied to the crowd. He wanted to be alone to pray. Something, uh, Nettie Winters, I'm in a small group with him. Some of y'all know Nettie Winters because he's preached here for me. He's a, uh, he, he's a black pastor, leader in Mission Mississippi. He preached three times a summer while I was away. Very thankful for that. And it's interesting, two perspectives, because I came back and I talked to a couple folks, and they were like, yeah, you know, sometimes when you're gone, some folks will check out. And, you know, I get that in summer and, you know, you know lower crowds. And I talked to Nettie, and I was like, you know, well, how was it? And he's like, man, it was great, dude. I mean, like, we had good crowds, and, you know, people were there and came back, and just entering two perspectives. I had a, on that note, uh, for, these are for members here, so if you're not a member, you can kind of disregard this, but a coach of mine with this Acts 39 network, he did say this, and I said, man, I should have said that before my sabbatical. He said, you know, before your sabbatical, he said to his church, he said, you know, if you really want to disrespect me as pastor, if you want me to make me to feel like a failure as pastor, then, then you'll check out when I'm out. I was like, man, I should have said that a couple years ago, sabbatical. But I say it now, and, uh, and it is true. It's not, about, it's not about any person. Church is not about any person, but it's not about the crowd either. It's about the king. Do you come to any worship service for a crowd, or do you come for the king? That's the bottom line. For me, too. Uh, moving forward, verse 24, 25, uh, the boat some distance was battered by the waves. It was not calm. It was not calm at all. And I th- think about this. He says, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. I, I, you know, I, I've always heard the story, and I imagine it like Jesus walking calm water. But as uh, we, uh, some of us and some of you, been on the Sea of Galilee, and then we actually uh, went to the Dead Sea too, and, and the wind... Uh, it can be quite rough. And so I just imagine Jesus, Jesus probably like stepping over waves here, you know, as he was walking. I mean, it was like, I mean, he was just walking through this rough, uh, this rough weather, through the storm. And it's, it's interesting to think about it. If you think about it like that, I mean, he commands all the elements on earth. He does. Son of the living God. Is that who your king is? He doesn't just walk on calm waters. He walks through storms. He climbs waves. He moves over them at ease because he commands all the elements. Verse 26, they were terrified. They were terrified. They cried out in fear. What are you afraid of? I ask you that. It's going to tie in. Remember that question. What are you afraid of? We're going to come back to it at communion. Fear paralyzes us. Uh, fear paralyzes us to worship in a church service, in a, with a song, in our very lives. What are you afraid of? What's your fear? But he says, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. Jesus calls us to come to him. Just Call us out of our security into a rough sea. But Jesus is there. What is your security? What is your boat? The disciple of Peter got out. He began to sink. The disciples want to stay in the boat. What is your boat? What is your security? As in like, sometimes our security holds us back from truly uh, letting go in prayer to worship the Lord. What is your security? Maybe... Maybe your security is a comfortable seat here. Maybe your security is the same seat here. I've said that over and over again, and I, I like my seat too. But it's comfortable. Maybe it's a comfortable church. It's a comfortable life. It's security. We just want to stay there. We're really organized and orchestrating our life uh, based on our own efforts. And I say this because I've done it, and I find myself doing it. And I feel called as pastor, as preacher, to, to push us to what I see in Scripture, which is not that. But Jesus calls to come, get out of the boat, where there's a strong wind. For Peter, the strength of the wind, he was walking on water, he's doing good. But the strength of the wind, which was opposing him, the wind was not at his back. In his face, it made him more afraid, and he began to sink. So then, what is the wind? What is holding you back? What holds me back? What holds us back from truly? What is the wind that opposes you? Uh, wind today when we come to worship. Here's, here's wind today, in my opinion. What people think. Self-image is so important. Anxiety. Failure. Look like a failure. Past. Looking weird. Uh, someone will talk. Uh, and I say that about giving yourself to worship in, in a church service, but also giving yourself to worship in all of life. What is the win? You said the same thing. Our past. People have talked about you, shame. Failure, looking weird, not looking cool. That's common, especially, uh, well, not just young folks, older folks too. What's the win? What opposes you? Those are things in this culture. Jesus, why doubt? Why do we doubt? Why do we ever doubt Jesus? I said this in the prayer. I don't know if you heard me. This is why we doubt. And you could really bottom line this. Because the physical reality that we see, we say is greater than the spiritual and the supernatural reality of Jesus. That is not true. But that is a trick of the devil. That he'll say the physical re your physical reality is greater than any spiritual or supernatural reality of the Lord. That is not true. But that's what we buy into. That is why we doubt. When we doubt, we, that's why Peter doubted. That's why Peter doubted. The wind, the physical elements, the sea. He was going to sink. The physical reality was greater that Jesus could allow him to walk on water. It was true then, it is the same today. Jesus says, you have a little faith. Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? You got Peter, they got into the boat, and then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, no production. I don't know if they had instruments. They just worshipped Jesus. What did that look like? You can use your imagination, but it was pretty simple. They worshipped. True worship. You are the Son of God. Uh, you give courage. You give us courage to step out, step out of the boat. 
Give us courage to worship in all of life. I don't want us just to have a great worship service here. Or I want us to worship with all of life. Go. Go, neighbors and nations. And often again, nations are your neighbors. And the nations are our neighbors too. Close it up. True worship is truly courageous. Uh, it takes courage to worship in all of life. Here's some things to consider that, that I think are courageous. And I, I would say this, uh, whether, whether I'm pastor or some other dude, like I want this church, Bellwether Community Church, or if it's 10, if it's 100, if it's 1,000 or more, I would, I would much, I'd rather take 10 courageous people than 1,000 that are not courageous. 10 who are willing to go than 1,000 that's like, hey, how's our, you know, how's the service? How's the crowd? Some things that are courageous, ways to worship and courage. Communion first today. We're going to take communion. I would ask you, we would ask you to take time. There should be paper either in front of you or beside you. It's just a simple connect card. We usually do it for information. I would, I would challenge all of us, before you come take communion, and we always say this, like, communion really a time you should do business with the Lord, you should pray, you should ask forgiveness, you should reconcile in your mind with that person that stabbed you in the back, you should be at peace before you come take communion. Take that card, write out your fear, you know, put your name on it, give it to the Lord, put it in the offering plate. You may not want to do that, I'm challenging you to do that, I'm challenging myself to do that. Write out a fear, or all your fears, give it to God. What are you afraid of? What's holding you back? And truly worship. Usually it's our fears. And all of us have fears. You do. If you're pushing back, then if you're pushing back, like I'm not afraid of anything, I'd be, I'm concerned about you, I would say. Communion. Sing. Some sing, some don't. I, here's some advice about singing. What I, I close my eyes a lot. Because I don't know about you, but like I, I'm affected too. What do people think? What do, you know, I just close my eyes, just shut it out. I actually want to be away from the physical reality. I want to get more in touch with the spiritual supernatural reality. I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to be brought down by things I see. Close your eyes. It helps. It helps me uh, to sing. Your posture. You know, so much is said about hand-holding or not, and, and so much is thought about what will people think it is. Trust me, people. I, I've seen different, you know, the only reason I ever hold hands is to, it does help, I will say this, it helps me get in touch more with the physical Reality of the spirit, okay? And, and so I've seen people, I saw a, a girl I know in Dubai, she, she goes hand low, okay? I saw a local pastor in Jackson, you all know his name. I saw him do this, hand, you know, hand even more low, something like that. I've seen like this, I've seen one hand, I've seen both hands, and you know, you're like, are going to people, you know, how's my, you know, how's that going to look? How, who cares? I haven't, there have been moments, I will say, it's been rare Unfortunately, it's been rare that, that I have had, I've, I've felt my arm like move upward. I mean, not by me, okay? And that's totally possible. I hope it happens to you. I wish it happened more to me. Posture, yeah, I mean, just let go, man. I don't know. Do whatever. You don't have to raise your hand or you don't, we're not trying to look like, you know, we got it all figured out or, you know, we're, we're holier than thou. Certainly not that. Whatever you want to do. Um, Neighbors, we talked about that. Talked to a guy in another city, I won't name the city, but you know, he, he struck me. He's like, they bought a house, which is a good investment, but it was in a, he said, here's what he said. So it's in a changing part of town, but it's changing in a good way. And I was like, okay, this conversation is in trouble, okay? And he said, you know, I'm really struggling with some of my neighbors. 
I was like, man, God is really trying to help you be comfortable in uncomfortable settings. I won't name the city. I won't name where he is. Not in Jackson. Serving. You have an opportunity to go to Poindexter Park in an area of the city that is in need. You don't have to. Look, you don't have to. But we like to, we like to tee you up here to give you opportunities. Honduras, Poindexter Park, serving. But also, again, I say this when nations are your neighbors. And that's so true at Span Elementary. Uh, you've got kids from other countries there. Nations are neighbors. You know, the prayer walk. And going to nations. I, you know, my only vision for this church is one. I really want this to be a truly sending church to nations and not just like one week mission trips in the year, a couple times a year, which is awesome, but like constantly sending long-term missionaries to nations for the kingdom. That's my passion. That's what I'm most down with. So if there was another dude here, you wouldn't hear it. If you're like, man, I'm so tired. That's, I think that's the kingdom. I think that's what we're called to. How, how to be courageous. Call somebody struggling. We got, we got those here. Have you made that call? Invite someone to church. That's courageous. Be vulnerable. That's courageous. Get baptized. When everybody thinks you've already been baptized in your social circle, that's courageous. Practice Matthew 18. Many of us don't even know Matthew 18. What's Matthew 18? Matthew 18, Jesus says, if you have conflict or an issue with a person, go to them directly and say, I have issue with this, Christian brother or sister. If they refuse or reject or don't listen, bring a friend with them to try to change their mind, turn them. If they don't receive that, bring it to the church. I've always been taught that that was the elders. Practice Matthew 18. Often we are so passive-aggressive we do nothing, or we just talk around and about in gossip. Change. Just change. Like, instead of saying, this is the way I always did church, say, like, man, I'm open to anything. Give more. How courageous is that? Give more. And be the, here's another last one. Be the last to take communion one Sunday. You know, I think it's really courageous. You're just sitting out there, and then you're like, you know, everybody's going through, and then you're like the last because you've been struggling or crying or weeping or wrestling or angry, and then you just come up, and everybody sees you. That's courageous. You know it is. It takes courage to truly, truly worship. The call of Jesus is to worship Him alone. The call of Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It's just for the faithful heart. And He'll grow your faith. He is always calling you to step out of the boat. He's calling me to step out of the boat. He's calling us to step out of the boat. Take a step today. But that step with Jesus, it's outside that security. It's outside that boat. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us be true worshipers, truly worship you. Help us take that step today to true worship. In Jesus' name, amen.